I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. Today, we'll discuss fascinating psychological insights from psychologist Richard DiNapoli, who has 25 years of experience helping his clients in the area of relationships. A psychologist studies how we think, behave, and feel. His job is to listen to people's issues and guide them accordingly. But you don't need a PhD to be a good listener. Trust your instincts, feelings, or emotions. In this week's episode, Rich will share his expertise around the telltale question, why did your last relationship end? What's said and what's not said is very revealing and significant when looking for a new partner. Why people overlook red flags and don't listen to their intuition. Rich will also share what he's learned on his dating journey and tips for setting up boundaries and expectations and the importance of being transparent and open. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Richard DiNapoli is a psychologist working predominantly with adults and relationship issues. He's been trained in family systems as well as psychodynamic and narrative therapies. He's also been trained in psychodrama and has incorporated his work in theatrical improvisation into his psychotherapy practice. Today's discussion is all about what can be learned from what's said and not said and the answer to the question, what went wrong in your last relationship? This is going to be a fascinating conversation, so without further ado, welcome Rich DiNapoli. Hi, Rich. Hi. Hi, Carrie. I'm so excited for this topic. It's a great topic. I can't believe mm. I have not covered this. And I'm so grateful that you thought of it and brought it to my attention. Okay, I'm excited about it too. Oh, good, good. So yeah. tell me, what led you on your path to becoming a psychologist? Well, that can be answered different ways. Uh, but one basic piece of that puzzle is uh, partly the generation of my parents and their ethnicity, their personalities, they weren't real great at asking, talk about questions, asking the question of how do you feel? How are you? What do you think about that? Questions that had to do with your internal experience. So I grew up with kind of a sense of uh, maybe a little deprivation there. I wanted people to ask me things about me and uh, as a way of understanding myself. And that grew into being curious about not only myself, but others and, and getting a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of feeling of being fed, you know, when the discussion was about internal experiences and given the seventies, when I kind of became of age, you know, the sort of self-actualization, the psychology boom had boomed, you know, and I, kind of for both of those reasons you know my i just laid out it led me to uh pursue psychology and psychotherapy okay one piece of you really must enjoy helping people straighten out their oh, lives oh yeah there's that too <laughs> <laughs> well sure it's very gratifying to feel that your people are letting you in and people trust you and people benefit from talking to you yeah that that's certainly a big big draw I wondered about that. Now, for the listeners, you are online dating. You're currently online dating, which makes this really 
extra interesting. Mm -hmm. And you must be, one of the key things to being a psychologist is being a good listener. And is it the same when you're dating how you get your clients to trust you? Do you feel that you use the same skill set? I mean, not so, you know, strategically necessarily, but in effect, that's who I am. You know, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to want to uh, listen and hear and, and engage, you know, in, in interesting conversation, at least from my point of view. And uh, I think that does, you know, naturally translate into the the, the arena of uh, meet, meetups with prospective partners. Right. So now mm -hmm. you're a little frustrated because a lot of people you would think are using online dating to find love, but it turns out or research suggests that people use dating apps to escape loneliness, anxiety, or boredom. Mm -hmm. And you found a lot of this during your dating journey. And I think a lot of people find it super frustrating how do you identify these unavailable daters when <laughs> early on? I mean, do you think that you have more of a superpower because you understand people? Well, I think so. I think I'm I'm sort of uh, connecting the dots better as as I go along in this in the you know the arena of dating, where there is a kind of uh, you know premium on getting a sense of who may be truly appropriate or not sooner rather than later, of course. And uh, yeah, in that, in that vein, I've run into different kinds of obstacles in, 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 uh, in prospective partners that um, I've gotten, I think more maybe, you know, able to, to, to ferret those out or to see those more kind of un almost the unconscious red flags, the red flags that aren't so obvious. Right. That's, that's, that's the key. You become a seasoned dater. You have <laughs> more experience dating. So yeah. you, you, so you yeah. can understand people and patterns and psychology and all those things, but you don't have to have those degrees to pick up a lot of details about people on a date. Mm. And um, I, well, yeah. And I think people miss those cues. And I don't know why that is. I always say that men tell you exactly who they are in 90 seconds or less. It's all right there. They do it to cover themselves. But women make excuses, give men a long leash, and they don't hear them. They hear selectively what they want to hear. Do you think, what do you think about Wait, that? That who's, who's doing the selective hearing, women? I think so. Yeah. Well, see, the thing, my point would be, even though, yes, the average person hopefully can have some, you know, intuition, emotional intelligence, make some of their own discriminations. But I think it's actually the professional experience and training and what to listen for that most people don't get because it's really in the blind spot. People will only tell you what they see about themselves. Mm -hmm. If you're lucky, they may do that. Right. But what they're certainly not going to tell you is what they don't see about themselves. Right. And, and and that's where the expertise of, you know, clinical experience and training comes in handy. Yeah, I would think. But, yeah. th but then do you catch yourself and say, am I being too clinical? Am I being too hyper-focused on the patterns? 
Am I analyzing everything? Do you ever find yourself well, doing that? I mean, certainly. I mean, there isn't a psychologist worth his or herself that hasn't overthought something. Right. But um, on the other hand, no, I find it more in the vein of noticing lately that just how much it's, it's important to pay attention to this level. You know, again, going back to our topic, you know, what's not said right. when people tell you their story? Yes. And how and how to actually see see what seems invisible but nevertheless is, is there if you know where to look or how to look. And and that can tell you a lot of what you need to know in terms of what you're going to encounter in in engaging that person. Right. Hmm. Interesting. So you told me that within this story there's a gray area. What does that mean? Well, that, I meant by that, I mean, I, I was trying to search for that, you know, that sort of image that if you see two sides of something, one side could be sort of in bold relief. It's very bright, you know, and invisible. Uh, the other side is kind of grayed out. You know, it's there. But it can't it doesn't really show through. Right. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Right. You can kind of it's kind of visible, but in in a, in a sort of grayed out way, uh, almost like, you know, when you see something on your phone and until you click on the button, it's kind of grayed out. You really don't see it. It's not really that visible. Okay. Um, so what I'm saying is it's kind of a, the shadow side, the obvious, you know, sort of blinking, you know, bold colored side is when they tell you, when you ask the part, the person, so uh, tell me about your last relationship or your marriage or marriages or people that have gotten, you've gotten, you know, very intimate with what, Tell me about a recent one and what's gone wrong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that what the, their answer is going to be very bright and bold because it's going to usually be about how the other person disappointed, failed, transgressed, or in some way or another ruined the relationship that they had to extricate themselves from. Okay. That's mainly what you're going to hear. Right. You know, and it's a mixed bag usually because you ask that question, it could be two hours later and you're, you know, hearing things you don't really want to wish you didn't even have to hear. Right. But besides, but it can be a useful question because what they're not tell, telling you is what their part in the downfall was. Right. 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 And, and their part, if, if they tell you what the other person was doing or not doing, it'll be then obvious what the, what is sort of like a key in a lock, whatever that other person was doing, the, the person that's telling you the story must have been doing the complimentary thing to keep it going as long mm -hmm. as it did. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So what is the compliment or the complementarity to the story they're telling you? Mm -hmm. So, right. So mm -hmm. they tell you, you know, someone was very, I mean, this is a silly example, you know, someone was very messy or sloppy or disorganized um, and uh, and it eventually drove them crazy. Um, well, the, the part that they're not telling you then, the compliment to that is they may be an over-organized, maybe compulsive, maybe needing things to be too perfect. And it was a good match in a sense for a while because it, it, they complimented. But ultimately, that discrepancy went off the rails because the the person needed too much control or was too compulsive. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the other person also could have gone off the disorganized end of things. Right. But the point. 
right? Do you see the point I'm making? Those it's the compliment yeah. to this to what they tell you went wrong in the other person. I get it. I get it. So mm-hmm. you knew that the, this answer, why the relationship or why the marriage ended, is very revealing and significant when looking for somebody. Because I would imagine in your practice that that question is asked. Like, why are you here? Why have you came to me for my services? What area in your life would you like to fix? And since you have the expertise in relationships, you do this work all day long. <laughs> well, right. Couples, yes, present themselves all the time. And this sort of two to tango story comes out. Uh-huh. You know, because per- the pattern they're in takes two to keep it up. Right. If if you're dancing with someone and one person stops dancing, the dance is over. Right. But as long as both people keep moving, the dance goes on. So I'm getting to see, you know, sort of a ringside seat at the way in which they complement and keep their pattern alive, the the pattern that they're coming in to complain about. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I can see what both person, each person is contributing, right, to keep it going. Right. So when you're back to, you know, dating, I had the experience. I can give you an example. Is that is it a good time for yes, that? Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Well, so a recent date I had was with a woman who uh, told me that you know, in answer to the so what's been happening in your relationship life, why have things ended? She told me about her first two husbands, each of which she described as alcoholics, and eventually she withdrew from the relationships because of their drinking. So that was one part. Part A of the story. Part B was the last five years she's been involved with a man who treated her kind of like a queen, was totally available, generous, sort of at her beck and call to make sure she was enjoying her life, you know, treated her wonderfully. Mm -hmm. Well, why did you break up with him? She says, I started to feel like I didn't have enough room for me. Uh, something, you know, to the effect of uh, he wanted to be involved with too much of my life. So what do I take from that? The the story, the alcoholic, two alcoholics, and now the man who treated her too well. Mm -hmm. Right. So one inference I would have is this woman actually stayed longer with the alcoholic, the second alcoholic, partly because in a way she had a lot of control because he was out of control. She controlled it gave her the right to try to control him. Mm-hmm. And she was more and she was comfortable being with a, a man who wasn't meeting her needs in a lot of ways. Okay. And, when she, and she was deprived. Flip the switch. And now she's with a man who seems to offer her everything, but she ultimately retreats. So what I heard in that was this is a woman who wouldn't do well being pursued too much. Wouldn't do well if you didn't give her a lot of room. Because she's going to feel threatened and not in enough control, and she'll withdraw. And you were like, "This is way too much work, and I don't want this, and I don't want." Well, well, I could have that could have been that could have been an outcome. Instead, I, for reasons that I found offsetting that and things of, of finding her attractive in certain ways, I decided to wade in a little bit and see what would happen. And. Sure enough, what happened was, even though I kept the pursuit to a very minimal, very minimum, and made sure to be very, you know, light, you know, lightly pursuing, 
and give her all the room to come to me. Ultimately, she didn't. Ultimately, she opted to stay distant because I was, and of course, this could be my own delusion, but I was too healthy for her. That makes and, sense. You know, and I didn't require being controlled. And, you know, there was no reason for her to hide, hide herself from me other than her fear of closeness and loss of control. Mm. So, long story short, after a few months of this dance, in which she was kind of there but not there, move forward, move then move back. I I had to tell her that I, I was through with pursuing her because I didn't feel she was actually available emotionally. Right. In yeah. your opinion, when people are that unavailable emotionally, mm. can they fix it? Or not oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it has to do with their willingness. Know, well, their willingness, and of course, we all have our attachment histories. We all have the, you know, our baggage. We all have the the sort of re, sort of intimacy profile that is developed over time, and we're gonna just, you know, rinse and repeat that over and over again, unless we stop and say, hmm, something's not working here, right? There's a pattern. What am I doing to recreate my dissatisfaction, loss? you know, over and over again. Right. So once, once you, you, you know, you, you stop something long enough to consider looking at it from another perspective, the possibility of change exists. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So when you're dating, I love all this stuff. When you're <laughs> out on these dates, do you mm. get this deep that quick? Like, do you ask on the first date? What happened? Yes, I start. I've started to do that, you know, because first of all, people are used to that conversation anyway. If they've been dating for a while, mm. long enough, they may be a little like, "Oh, I don't necessarily want to go there right away," or you know, because they're tired of telling that story. Because it's usually the, comes up for most people, right? So why are we talking? Well, I got divorced. Oh, why'd you get divorced? I mean, it's, it's pretty common for that to come up. Right. I just find that to me i'm a little bit more like sort of the stealth questioner i'll ask the question like anybody else might but mm -hmm. what i'm listening for is a little different interesting you know what i'm saying and and they they don't know that i know that you already I mean, know they don't know that what they don't know what they don't know exactly like everybody else you know they're not aware of what they're leaving out interesting and, you know, but I can sort of, again, let it sort of fill in that grayed out area then becomes filled in with, aha, this is the other side. This is what I could expect. This is the block that's going to arise. And this is my best strategy to sort of work with that if I want to. Mm -hmm. Do you find that people might change their stories a little bit because you are a therapist? Well, it's hard to say that. I mean, I, I have had people say, you know, so are you analyzing me? Or uh -huh. Are you going to analyze me? You know, and I think some people get can be a little put off by that. Um, and maybe they, who know? I don't know necessarily. They could be sort of tailoring their story to sound what they think is mentally healthy, maybe. Um, maybe they um, would be less likely to reveal certain things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I would think that people would think you're not very judgmental because you hear it all and you get well, that life is really messy and things happen and breakups happen. It doesn't mean yeah. that yeah. 
There's something wrong with everybody on the planet, right? (laughs) Right. There is that. You know, kind of related. I had this experience a while, not too long ago, with a woman who I asked this question to. And it was actually kind of interesting. She wasn't at, you know, she told me the, she gave me the, her answer and I, it was, it was interesting, but then later told me that she felt I wasn't empathic enough in my response to what I heard. Okay. And that if I were her, really her therapist, she'd fire me. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was where my, my, you know, occupation. So she she like literally took a dig at you professionally on the date. Yeah. 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 And yeah, this was the second date. And afterwards she did say that she kind of apologized and said she realized it wasn't fair to hold me to the the standard of being a a therapist during just a regular conversation. Right. Because we were Mm. just talking and uh, which I think was true. I mean, it, it was a bit of a, I think a little bit of unfair for her to, you know, apply this, what she would expect from a therapist to a conversation she was having with a man in a bar who happened to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little jarring. And uh, what do you think I, her diagnosis is? <laughs> well, what I, oh yeah. I mean, she's it was definitely, she had a big problem. Uh, yeah. No, she, she, um, let me think. No, what was the thing about her? She's like a victim. Oh, here's what it was. Here's what it was about her. Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. There's some of that. She told me the story about how her husband, her second husband, was unfaithful to her. Right. Mm -hmm. But in in the in the lead up to even meeting her, she told me the biggest the biggest thing for her is integrity. Okay. Right. Okay. So I immediately thought, ah, this woman's been cheated on. Okay. Right. Yeah. And lo and behold, when she told me her story, she she told me a story that was a was sort of like cheating light you know l-i-t-e was very very minimal kind of degree of cheating i'd say okay and i responded to that by saying something like well interesting so you didn't try to work that out or that was enough was that that was enough for a divorce right you know and then later in the same conversation she told me about a few other episodes that were horrendous but by telling me this this one story that was kind of light and and at that point not really letting me in on there were there were far worse examples she then kind of set me up to, so that she could say hey look i told you this story in which there was a lack of integrity and you sort of passed it off and said well was that enough for a divorce there therefore affirming to her that she was not going to be respected and listened to like her husband didn't you see what i mean i felt like she kind of set me up so that she could say aha again a man who's not gonna you know be empathic yeah so i think there's just a lot of work there that and i can't and i'm not a psychologist but there's a lot of things there, like how you felt set up. Like there's just so many signals that were not firing. Right. And that's what kind of got that's what kind of got me into this kind of question about the what's said and not said. Because the other interesting thing is, and this has happened with I can give you another example, but with her, she specifically said to me, it's really important that when you go to re-engage in dating that you're you've really you've worked through your baggage, right? Okay. So ironically, after tell, saying that, she then goes ahead, and I feel set me up to for her to be re, 
um, sort of traumatized or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh wow! So she's acting out. She's like actually like igniting something in you to have some kind of dysfunction on a so that she could so that she could feel that she's being re-traumatized. Wow! So it confirms, you know, confirms her her you know her unspoken belief which is that's what men are going to do okay and 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 what she doesn't but which the important thing is that she doesn't see how she sets up the men to do that mm. you know after announcing that she's very clear about working through her baggage i'm like oh boy oh boy be careful when people tell you that they've worked through their baggage um <laughs> yeah yeah but you got it yeah you got i think you got the point yeah, well. yeah yeah no so you go, you're not afraid. You go on these dates and you're like, whatever, I want to get, I want to know. I don't want to waste my time. And so I yep. think it is essential to be honest. And I think people try to be like easy breezy, don't rock the boat. And they, they go with the flow and they don't reveal their true intentions. And they're afraid to do that because they're afraid to be honest about where really what they want. And I mm-hmm. think when you hide your true intent, it's a disaster. Well, yeah, that that's true. That's true. Because fundamentally what I want to know, and I would think what most people, if they're serious about finding a partner, they want to know if someone's ready, willing, and able to form an intimate relationship that will be sustainable. Right. Right. That's what we're all, if you're really honest, and saying that you want to use the, the service to meet a partner, an intimate partner, then the key thing is is being able is determining that, right? Right. Ready, willing, and able. And uh, so that how to how to sort that through without necessarily spending two years leading to a dead end. Right. How many people have you found, in your opinion, are not really dating with intention like that they're they shouldn't be out there they haven't done the work and they really don't know what they want a a fair amount i mean a a large percentage and you have to realize it's fair i should it's probably fair of me to say you know the age range of people i've been encountering right okay many have been in their mid-60s okay okay which is an age in which I think a lot of, you know, I'm looking at looking for a female. A lot of women, you know, have established certain social and financial patterns and securities in which how open are they really for making room for a man is the question. Mm. I think you are on to something with that age group. I, you do? Yeah. Yes, I do. Because in, especially in the 70s, they say that people, they they don't want to move. They don't want to pick up and go to another location. They're right. set, They're very settled. What they're looking for is companionship, someone to occasionally go to dinner with, someone to go to a show with. That, But they don't want to change their life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another wrinkle in the whole, you know, sort of, um, you know, path of, of, of searching. Um and uh, you know that, but still, that that issue of do they see what their you know their issues are in 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 
as obstacles to intimacy? Do people know what they're bringing to the table? And are they willing to, to you know, be honest and transparent about that so that the relationship doesn't get bogged down and you end up in front of a therapist six months later? Where'd you meet online? What's the problem? You know, and then it's right. It's a disaster because there wasn't transparency and, and awareness in the beginning. Okay. So do people come to you and say, I'm dating, I can't find anyone, there's no quality people out there, I have one terrible date after another? Do you see people? I, I see people with that. Okay. Yep, yep. More I see the couples that met online and now, now they're, you know, in, in great distress. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts when yeah. people say to you, once you hit the marriage counselor, you're already done? Oh, God. Uh, I've heard that, of course. And, I mean, my thoughts are, of course, from my point of view, no, that's wrong. You know, um, that can be the beginning. That can be, that. it could be the beginning of the end. Yes, mm-hmm. some people come. Some people come. I do believe there's some truth to the idea that it's too late for some people, maybe too much damage. Maybe it's too, you know, re-traumatizing of trauma that hasn't been worked through in the first place Mm -hmm. previously, right? Could be. Um, You know, there's different reasons why relationships can be hard to or maybe irrecoverable. But on the other hand, you know, arriving at a therapist's office with a with the, you know, the intent and, and the ability to sort of ask the important questions, how are we unconsciously creating this pattern and what are we each contributing to it? And what do we, what unfinished business do we need, need to help each other with to surmount and grow through this impasse that can be tremendously rewarding for both people. Right. Interesting. So people have a lot of these issues like we talked about attachment style and then mm. you have people who pursue unavailable people that's a mm-hmm. big, that's a big one that is a big one that is a big one there there are a lot of people out there chasing people who are just unavailable and to me unavailable is like the most unattractive thing because mm. i just didn't have any time for that well that's healthy <laughs> <laughs> but also, yeah, yeah. the dating apps are loaded with these types of people. Mm. Right, right. And, because and, they're getting and, attention and they're getting their needs met and, and they don't have to fix anything. True. Yeah, they're floating through. And of course, as interesting are, though, are the people chasing the unavailable people. And do they even realize why? And if, first of all, if, and then why they're chasing someone who's unavailable. Right. You know, um, you know, I I have a classic case of that with a client of mine who's chasing a married man. Right. Which is like the number one sign of unavailability because he's married to somebody else. Right. Right. Yeah. And when she complains about the way in which he's unavailable and and how that feels, I have to say, excuse me, he's married. Right. Right. And why that works for that person to be in that pursuit is the important story. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 
So how do you get someone to stop that, to stop pursuing someone who's unavailable or stop pursuing someone who's married? I, I think it's, you know, it's not complicated, but not easy. I mean, in other words, they have to, they have to sort of dial it back and be able to then start to talk about and understand what does drive them. What is it about their, their beliefs about themselves, which of course have come from their history, that supports the storyline in which their mission to be loved is constantly frustrated. Right? 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 Right. So why, what is it about you? How great would it be to find the love of your life? The man of your dreams. Do you believe online dating would work if you had the right tools to be successful? Well, I have exciting news. I've created your best shot at love masterclass. I cannot wait to share with you what's worked for me in my life and for many of my clients that have helped over the years. If you enroll in this class, you have a winning mindset and believe in getting help before you start something new. If you're ready to see changes in your dating life and want to take action, check out my free webinar at shotatlove.co. If you decide you're going to choose another path, that you're worth it, and you're willing to enroll in the masterclass, you can also register at shotatlove.co. I designed this masterclass specifically for you to be successful. Please know that everything you're going to learn in these nine modules and six coaching calls has been carefully curated for you so you can gain the success you truly want. I will be there for you the whole time. In the meantime, I wish you all the success and I can't wait to hear about your story of finding love. I'm Carrie Brett and I will be your mentor and friend through this incredible journey. history that those dots that will connect those dots as to why you would expose yourself to a you know ongoing sense of unlovability frustration and disappointment there must be something about you in which that that lines up right that must that must mirror something about your own inner life's history and story right right like you said in the beginning of the episode you said there's something that works for them. Otherwise, they wouldn't exactly. keep repeating exactly. it. Exactly. And unfortunately, what works in a, a lot of cases is the fact that it's re-traumatizing. Interesting. And, you know, and, and that's the draw. We, You know, Freud called it repetition compulsion, the, the going back and repeating the, the sort of conditions that led to the injury. You know, and, and uh, the, of course, the question of what, what is, how does that work? Uh, for is is you know can be explained, but nevertheless, is people's it's one thing to repeat patterns that are healthy and be stuck in health producing ruts. That's fine, but when you're seeking part of pe- people, people are I think history repeating machines. We 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 are constantly recreating what we've already known, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Unless we 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 somehow. Have insight into that, and an, ele- an element of choice might appear, but mostly people are repeating and are are basking in a way in the misery of repetition. Right, right. But for them, it's kind of it's misery, but it's misery likes company, right? The company of their past. Right. It's, right. It's the it's they know it. So they know it. They know it. Yeah. So if someone wants to rescue others and 
in dress or mm-hmm. looking yep. to be the caretaker or want to be controlled or control someone else. There's all these different varieties. Exactly. And dynamics. Mm-hmm. And people can't see what they're doing. Right. They only see what the other person's doing to them. Right. But then they can't get out of it either. Well, right, because they're looking in the wrong place. The only, you know, in a way, it's the old, you know, truth, which is the only thing you can control are your own choices, right? Your own thoughts, right? And and if instead you're applying yourself to get change to happen in the other person's choices and thoughts, you might be in for a, you know, long, frustrating road. So your advice would be really take a hard look at yourself, the common yeah. denominator. Start with you. Exactly. If things exactly. are not lining up for you, dating, or things are not working, or you keep finding unavailable men or married men or whatever the story is, whatever, mm-hmm. or the narcissist, that's a big one. Oh, everybody's a narcissist these days, yeah. It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just interesting how many people start their, you know, their, their sort of story with, well, my husband's a narcissist, you know. Right. It's just that that word has gotten loose, but, you know, in our culture. But yes, there's a lot of narcissistic people out there for sure. Okay. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. have you been on a date where someone starts with my ex-husband's a narcissist? God, uh, nothing comes immediately to mind. I I run into that in my practice a lot. I'm sure. Um, You know, dating wise, you know, there's different... uh, different ways that they villain, you know, women might villainize their, their exes, mm-hmm. you know, it's usually not a pr- pretty picture that they draw. Um, and, uh, it's, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, like myself, for example, I, when I'm asked to describe my ex or what happened in my <clears throat> marriage, I have nothing but positive things to say about my ex-wife. And that, that often takes people back a little bit like, Oh, wow, that's, it's nice to hear someone not trashing their ex, you know? Mm-hmm. So you openly tell your story, too, when you have this conversation about... Well, yeah, because pe- people will then say, well, what about you? Okay. You know, and, and, and sometimes they'll do that prematurely, and I'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm happy to talk about myself, but uh, you haven't really finished answering my question. Okay. You know, because sometimes people get uncomfortable. They want to... That was another thing that happened recently where a woman told me how... Um, she divorced her husband because he was never sort of psychologically and emotionally in the relationship. She felt, you know, sort of alone in it. Okay. And, and then when I talked to her, um, she, when I met up with her, she ended up asking me a lot of questions and she had already tipped me off to say she was on the shy side, but knew how to compensate. But wh- one of the ways she compensated, which works well in, in a cocktail party, but not necessarily on a date is she asked me a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So in answering your questions, you know, ask me an interesting question and I'll tell you an interesting story. OK. But after that, after that happened enough. Right. She ended up saying to me the next day, well, I don't think I want to go further in having anything to do with you. And I said, well, why would that be? Because we seem to have a, you know, a nice time. She said, well, I felt similar to how I did in my marriage. Unseen. <laughs> and I can you believe it? So I pointed out to her, I said, well, you know. By asking me, you know, question after question after question, I finally had to stop and say, look, I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking. Can you tell me something about you? 
Okay. You know, you know, I did that actually happened, but she still persisted because she was so determined to be conf- to confirm her theory that men are not going to see her, that she arranged her her experience to add up to, I didn't see her, I was un- she was unseen by me. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Talk about so talk about you know, um, uh, you know, self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. There it was. Right. Wow. This is Perfect. all crazy. <laughs> I yeah. I love all this. Yeah, yeah. It was just so amazing. Another case of, oh, my baggage is this, but I have understood it. Uh-huh. And now you just spent two hours recreating it with me, and then you're going to attack me and blame me for it? Okay. Wow. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So tell me. Before we wrap up the episode, I mm-hmm. want to ask you mm. some ways or some maybe a, a dating tip that you feel is a mistake that women repeatedly make. That women repeatedly make? Yeah. A dating mistake that women repeatedly make. Or something well, that you don't like that has happened to you in the past on a date that you would say, don't do that. Oh, to, uh, that I would say that to to women? Yeah, or to, to like women? a friend who is dating or something. Hmm. Well, let's see. Hmm. Like they either play themselves down, they are too self-loathing, I don't know. They don't yeah, give themselves yeah. enough credit. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the obvious things are... Um, I don't think it's wise for anybody to to sort of go over the top with with um, you know being over enthusiastic and and uh, coming across as desperate. Um, well, yeah, there's a good one. Yeah, that 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 dynamic is one that I think. So it's good to be enthused and to have energy and to show up in a, in a way that with some uh, you know liveliness and vitality about about the endeavor because it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend some time, maybe two, maybe three hours with someone, and you need a certain amount of energy, right? You need to meet that moment in a kind of able way, mm-hmm. right? Being enabled. Mm-hmm. Yet you don't want to be so over the top, enthused and and uh, responsive that 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 you give give signals that you're later going to regret yeah. in terms of. Uh, well, gee, I guess I wasn't that into, you know, the next day. It's like, hmm. I don't think I was as into her as I was kind of acting hmm, or into him, mm-hmm. you know, so better to, I think, have a certain element of, um, you know, holding back, signaling your, your, your degree of being in. Yeah. So you've had time to think about it a little bit. Yeah. So like slow and steady wins the race and yeah. Don't... Yeah. I think it's a good response when people say something like, Hey, this was really fun. Yeah, I think I think it's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, I think you know I'd like to do this again, but you know, let's think about it and be in touch. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, how would you if you like somebody? How would you end the date? Well, the uh, the typical way would be you know that sort of reckoning at the end. So, what do you think? Should we do this again? That's usually the easiest, simple you know way to get an indication. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 
So I, I think that's reasonable. Um, although if I sense that maybe someone needs a little more room, you know, I might say, hey, look, why don't we, uh, how about if we think this over, maybe talk in, in the next couple of days. Okay. You know, give, give it a little more space. Don't you think that the man should always lead and that he should be saying that at the end of the date? Um. I suppose, although I had an experience lately, as I, w- I walked a, w- a woman out to her car after being in a restaurant, and she looked at me and said, so what do you think? Like, that. <laughs> like I don't know what she was talking about, her car, or, you know, it was a nice car, um, or what? No, I said, well, what do I think? I said, uh, so it, because funny. I had, I thought, done a fair amount of revealing, right, and been pretty transparent, I, I decided to say back to her, well, tell me, what do you think? Oh, right. Because I didn't want to like necessarily carry all the transparency ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, that's the psychologist in you. <laughs> maybe a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit of that. You know, I was sort of yeah, I was keep realizing. Hey, you know, as someone once told me, and this is a little bit of a nugget. I think uh, a supervisor told me many, many years ago: never work harder than your client. Yes. And that applies to the dates. Never work harder than your date. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I felt I had done enough work in that meeting so far to say to her, well, you tell me what you think. Okay. Yeah. So I I, saw that work. I think that is a good nugget. Never work harder than your date. Yeah. That is really good. In closing, what have you learned about online dating or yourself through this whole process? Well, this is not, this certainly applies to dating um, at any at any stage, really. The, the the thing that I think the toughest and most important thing I've I've learned personally is don't chase and never try to talk someone into something that they seem unsure about. That's a good one. That's great. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do not mm-hmm. chase. Because again, mm-hmm. when you're chasing, you're working harder than your date. Exactly. If someone tells me, gee, I'm not sure I'm really ready. Once I hear anything about that. Right. I'm most likely anything about ambivalence. I'm not sure. I'm not necessarily ready. I'm not necessarily looking. Any of that kind of hesitation. Mm-hmm. More then more likely than not, I'm going to just say, okay, right. that's cool. Yeah. I'm not going to try to convince them of the joys of intimacy, the pleasures of sleeping with someone, anything to sell relationships. I'm not right. going to do it. Right. No. Because you're overselling. If you're overselling, you're never going to convince. You'll, right. It, there's nothing. There's no phrase. There's no motivational book. That's right. There's no magic phrase. <laughs> right. I've tried them all. Believe me, man. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's right. And you might get a, you might get a little reprieve momentarily, but that person's going to go back to who they are. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. really good advice. Oh my gosh, I enjoyed this so much. I loved having oh, you on the show. Oh, I thanks. thought you had some really good wisdom and I thought it was really interesting your take on this question oh, and good. pay attention to it. Yeah. Well, I enjoy talking with you. You're you're really uh, fun and in, and insightful. So that was that was enjoyable. Oh, that's great. So, where can my listeners find out more about your practice, about you, find you on social media, all the um, things? 
Yeah, the, uh, the simplest way to find me is on, on psychologytoday.com. Okay. And okay. there you could just, you know, type in my name and it'll come up. Okay. Well, I can tell you're a great therapist because you just oh. are very insightful and you know a lot of things. So thank, thank you for you. sharing your expertise on Shot at Love today. Thanks so much. I hope we talk again sometime. Okay, great. Thanks. All right. Take care, Gary. All right. And for now, this week's Shot at Love dating tips that are inspired by our guest, psychologist Richard DiNapoli. Number one, never work harder than your date. Number two, don't try to convince or talk someone into dating or to continue to date you. If they're not sure, it's not your job to change their mind. If they're in conflict, that conflict has to heal within themselves. Number three, don't be too enthusiastic, over the top, or have a pre-established happily ever after story because then you're putting the cart before the horse. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for. To help you find love. up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Shot at Love is now airing on iHeartRadio Live on Power Me Up Radio Talk 24-7. Tune into the station with heart on iHeart. Stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. I'm Carrie Brett and we'll see you next time. Bye.